morning we're going to be looking at the church. Why is the church so important? And what, what are we to be accomplishing? What does God, what would God have us to do here at Emmanuel? And we're going to be looking at that, uh, through the lens of Ephesians 4. And so I want to read verses 7 through 16 this morning. Paul says this, but grace was given to each one of us according to the measure of Christ's gift. Therefore it says, when he When he ascended on high, he led a host of captives, and he gave gifts to men. In saying he ascended, what does it mean but that he also descended into the lower regions, the earth? He who descended is the one who also ascended far above all the heavens that he might fill all things. And he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds and teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ. Until we all attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, so that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness and deceitful schemes. Rather, speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head, into Christ, from whom the whole body, joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped, when each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. Our mission at Emmanuel is this, to know and follow Jesus Christ and to make him known to all people. That's our mission. You need to know that mission statement. That's that's who we are. That's what we're to be about individually and collectively. And I want to look at what it means to know and, and follow and make him known to all, all people. And so the first part is knowing Christ. You know, in knowing Christ, I think it's really important as as believers that we know what's important to Jesus. And I don't know about you, but when I call somebody up on the phone, um, when I know of someone who's real, I'm really familiar with, that I'm comfortable around, when I call them. I usually say, hey, what's going on? What are you doing? Now, when I have somebody, it's a more professional basis, you know, I greet them differently. But with someone I'm comfortable around, you know, I want, what's going on? What are you doing? If I were to call Jesus on the phone and ask Jesus, hey, Jesus, what are you doing? You know what he would say? According to this passage of scripture, he would say, I'm building my church. Jesus, the church is extremely important to Jesus Christ. And in part of knowing Christ, as his followers, we need to understand what is important to him. And if you're going to follow Jesus, if you're serious about discipleship, you can't do this as a lone ranger disconnected from the church. 
The church is so important to Jesus, the Bible says he died for the church. And so Jesus is building his church. And so we don't serve a God and Savior who's distant or passive when it comes to our walk, our relationship with him. No, Jesus is living, he's active, he's dynamic, and he is the head of the body. And according to Ephesians, Paul says he is the, he is the supplier to the body. He has given gifts to the church so that the church might grow in the fullness, in the maturity, in the stature of Jesus Christ. Jesus is intimately involved in the church. And if you want to know Jesus, Jesus wants you to know him through his church. And Jesus is building his church through gifts. If you have a relationship with God, he's given you a spiritual gift through the Holy Spirit. And God doesn't want you to keep that gift to yourself. That gift isn't to benefit you, it is to benefit the body. And so Jesus wants us to be participants in in the church in a way that will help build up the church. So that's the first part of knowing Christ, is that the church is important to Jesus. The second aspect of, of knowing Christ is means in growing in Christ-like maturity. We are to become more and more like Jesus Christ. In t- verse 13, until we all attain to the unity of the faith and then of knowledge of the Son of God. We need to grow, grow in Christ. We're not to grow older in Christ. Now, I became a Christian when I was eight years old. I've been a Christian. I'm going to tell you how old I am. I've been a Christian for 44 years. All right. I've, I've got a lot of years in the Lord, but that doesn't make me mature in the Lord. And there's been seasons in my life where I haven't matured. I've stayed the same, or maybe I've gone backwards. But for Christians in knowing Christ, God wants us to grow in Christ-like maturity and where we need to be dependent on him needy for him hungry for the word of god and and become more and more like jesus christ now how do we know we're growing in christ-like maturity well that brings us to our second aspect of the mission statement not only are we to know jesus but our mission statement says we are to follow jesus and um, so how do you know that you're growing in maturity in Christ. Well, number one, I want to just mention to you that you know you're growing when you can trust God in the midst of suffering. When life throws you a curveball that you weren't expecting, instead of turning your back on God, do you have a desire just to trust Him as hard as it is? Yesterday, we had the memorial service for Eleanor Brammer. And uh, the last few years of Eleanor's life were not easy. And John, her husband, um, he was just rock solid and there with her 
uh, every step of the way. Trusting God as hard as it was. And it really got difficult. To Eleanor passed away on May the 21st. And they couldn't have uh, her funeral or memorial services at that time because at the same time that his wife was dying, his son, Larry, was having to have a valve replacement surgery. And they were, he was fearful that they were, they were going to be on the same day. That's overwhelming. I can't imagine just having to go through one of those things, you know, as a husband or a parent. But he was, he was facing them simultaneously. But you know what? John trusted God. Eleanor's service was beautiful yesterday. Eleanor's whole family knows Jesus. You know, there's not many memorial funerals I do anymore where, you know, a person has left behind that kind of legacy where the circle isn't broken. You know that song that we've sung before? But that's a testimony of of a husband and wife's faith in the Lord. You know you're growing in Christ-like maturity or you can trust him no matter how hard it gets. Oh, there's tears. There's disappointment. There may be anger or resentment. But you know what? We serve a God who understands those things. But you don't walk away from him. And that's the testimony of John, John Brammer. And that's what it means to be growing in Christ-like maturity. Another way it means to grow in Christ-like maturity, number two, is caring and resourcing the advancement of the gospel. Caring and resourcing the advancement of the gospel through the local church. You know, I get irritated when I hear people who are Mature in the faith, but don't give a dime to the church. I don't get that. That's not what God would have us to do. Now, rest assured, I don't look at anybody's giving records in this church. That's between you and the Lord. I don't want that information to color my perspective about anybody. But just know that if you are a follower of Christ, if you want to know Christ and follow him, you're going to care about the local church and you're going to want to resource the local church. That's our responsibility. God says, bring the tithe, the entire tithe into the storehouse so that the ministries might be able to take place. And you might be thinking, well, how in the world do I get giving, stewardship out of this passage of Scripture? Jesus. The Bible says Jesus gave gifts to the church. Jesus is a giver. Jesus gave, laid down his very life. But Jesus gave gifts that the church might thrive. You might be thinking, Pastor, you're just meddling. This is my money. This isn't God's money. No, it is God's money. 
God's given you the resources. God's given you the gifts, the abilities to earn money, to provide for your family. But the Bible says it all comes from God. And he just wants us to give back to him 10%. And he wants to show himself faithful in your life as you trust him in this area of discipleship. Stewardship. You're growing in Christ-like maturity when you can trust God with your resources, when you care about the local church and, and, and allow God to use your resources. And then number three, you know you're growing in Christ-like maturity when you're serving rather than consuming. Are you a consumer or are you a a giver, a server in the local church? How do you know you're a consumer or you have this business mindset when it comes to the church? Consumers see, well, how much, how little can I give for the largest amount of return? That's a consumer. That's a person with a business mindset when it comes to the church. What's a Christian mindset? A Christian mindset is they come to the church and they look around and they think, how can I give? How can I use my resources, my time, my ability to help build this church? That's what a follower of Christ says. They're not a taker. They're a giver. Paul describes the church as a family. I want you to think about moms for a moment. Church, we need to be more like moms. Dads, and I'm stalking to myself, and believe me, my wife is going to remind me of this message uh, in the days ahead. But uh, does a mom, when when she looks at her family, is she of the mindset, well, how, how... How little can I give to my family for the biggest amount of return? Is that their mindset? Absolutely not. They're looking around. They're seeing what needs to be done, and they make it happen so that the family can function properly. We all need to have the mindset of moms when it comes to the local church. There are places where we need God's people to serve. I've mentioned Adele Crow before, but uh, Adele is our children and preschool director in our church. She has the hardest job in our church. Last week when I came into the office on Monday, she said, did you know that we had a record number of preschoolers in Sunday school last week? This is July, and we had a record number of preschoolers. She, her office was right across from my office. She is constantly on the phone calling people, asking people to serve so that that area back there can be fully staffed so that families who bring little ones can rest, be, be at peace as they come into this service, that those kids are well cared for. We need people to serve back there. We need to help make Adele's job easier 
If you're, if you have volunteered to serve every week back there or, or once a month or once every eight weeks, whatever it is, if you're on the list, make sure it happens. If for some reason you're going to be out of town, you find your substitute. Don't expect Adele to have to do it. But we need people who are following God. Take Take the church seriously because Jesus is actively building his church and he wants every one of his children to be a part of this mission so that this ministry can be fully functioning. It's not about you. It's about him. I I remember uh, uh, Ellie, my little... uh, my granddaughter, she's four years old now. She was at the, we had the, the family over at the house a few weeks ago. And, and uh, Mary uh, was over at the house. And uh, little Ellie, she's very excited about uh, Mary. She loves Mary. And so Ellie wanted to go outside and she wanted to swim. Susan was putting the dinner together and we were all ready to sit down and to have dinner. But Ellie, she wasn't think, she wasn't hearing the all come eat. Ellie wanted to go outside and swim. And Ellie wanted Mary to go outside with her to swim. And she was just pleading for Mary. No, no, Mary, you don't have to eat. Let's go outside. And all of a sudden, I just looked at Ellie and I said, Ellie, is it all about you? And at the, her tippy toe, she said, yes. You know what? That's the way it is. With a, I just pulled a muscle doing that. <laughs> you know what? That's the way it is with a lot of Christians. It's all about me. What's the least I can do in the local church with the most for the most amount of return? That's not Jesus. The Bible says Jesus laid down his life. For the church. And if you're going to be a follower of Christ, if you want to know Christ, Jesus is busy building his church and Jesus has given you a gift that will help benefit the church to make the church what Jesus wants it to be. Now, so far, I've talked to us in the context of individuals. But if you look at this passage of scripture, it's not just what we're to do as individuals, but Paul is talking about the church collectively. We are to together be building one another up um, in Christ-like maturity. Look at verse 15 for a second. 15 says, Rather speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head into Christ, from whom the whole body, joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped, when each part is working properly, makes the body grow. Not only is Jesus to be building the church, growing the church, but collectively Christians We are to be connected to each other to help the body grow together. We all have that responsibility. Now, how do we, how are we to grow together? Paul, Paul says, verse 15, 
We grow together by speaking the truth in love. Speaking the truth in love. Paul says that God has given gifts to the church. He's given apostles, prophets, evangelists, shepherds, and teachers to equip them. But who are these people? These are truth tellers. These are people who teach us who Jesus is. We are to grow in the knowledge of who God, who Jesus is. And in knowing who Jesus is, we are to tell the truth about him. We are to tell the truth of the ways of God that help make this world work properly. God has given us truth tellers so that we might know the things of who Jesus is and where we could tell the truth to other people in love. Tell the truth in love. We are to be truth tellers who live like Jesus. Not only are we to grow in the grace and knowledge of God, of the Son of God. But Paul says, to mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. We are to live like Jesus. How did Jesus live? Did did Jesus just live to um, tell this truth to the Jews only? No, Jesus loved all people. Jesus didn't have an inward focus. The Bible says, For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son. Jesus didn't come just for the Jews. He came for all mankind. And church, church now, if we're going to grow collectively in Christ-like maturity and have the, 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 the full stature, the maturity of Jesus, that means when we are, are gathered, we're just not gathered for ourselves. We don't have an inward focus. We need to have an outward focus. We're not just here to encourage and love and build up one another, but we're here to be a light to the world, an outward focus. We are to be people who speak the truth in love. We are to believe certain things about who God is, and we are to to live as Jesus lived. Um, which brings us to the third part of our mission. Not only are we to know Christ and to follow him, but we are to make him known to all people. I don't know if you read Oswald Chambers, my utmost for his highest, but on July 12th, uh, Oswald said this, and I, I, uh, I wrote it down and bring it up on the screen now, Kenny. Okay, Oswald Chambers says this, when the church is only interested in the development of its own organization, 
it ceases to be spiritual. When the church is only interested in the development of its own organization, it ceases to be spiritual. Because that wasn't Jesus. Jesus wasn't just focused on himself. No, Jesus was focused on the world. And Jesus has put us here as the body of Christ to be a lighthouse for the world. So speaking the truth in love means this. We will believe and say what Jesus says and we will love like Jesus loves. Which brings us to three values. Now we have seven values of a church, but I don't have time to share all seven values this morning. But I want to share three of those values that we hold dear, that we we believe reflect the mindset of Christ. The first value, if we're going to love like Jesus means, we will value missions. You're a little bit behind me, Kenny. I'm sorry. Loving like Jesus means we will value missions. We will value missions. Um, Ann Henderson shared with me this last week something that I thought was uh, really exciting that I need to pass on to you. Um, Over this last fiscal year, did you know that, I didn't know this, but over the course of this last fiscal year, we have given $240,000 collectively as a church. $240,000. Now, that's not our church budget, okay? Our church budget is less than that, but but people have given over and above uh, their tithe to missionaries through our church. And collectively, Emmanuel Baptist Church gave $240,000 last year. I think that's remarkable. I think that's a, a huge testimony of what the people of Emmanuel value. And we value missions because Jesus values missions. He came and he died for the entire world. Not just us in Ridgecrest, California. That speaks volumes. The second thing that we value as a church, and if we're going to love like Jesus, loving like Jesus means that we will value the family. We will value the family. And we will tell the truth about the family in love. It's important that we tell the truth and it's important that we tell it in love. God's given mankind a definition of the family. In the very beginning, before God instituted the church or Yes, before God instituted the church, before he instituted Israel, he instituted the family. And God said that a marriage will be comprised of a man and a woman. And the man shall leave his wife, his, his parents, and cling to his wife, and the two 
shall become one flesh. Did I say that wrong? The husband shall leave his mother and father. Okay? And cling to his wife. I'm getting all flustered here. And the two shall become one flesh. That, that is marriage. And Jesus affirmed that in Matthew chapter 19, verses 4 and 5. This is the definition of a family. This is where children are to come from. This is the truth. And we are to speak it in love. And that is a very unpopular statement. That's a very unpopular truth these days. I was listening to um, um, oh, Al Moeller, president of uh, Southern Seminary. And he said this at a Baptist 21 conference here recently. He said uh, that... Uh, the church is no longer being looked at as the morally superior. The church is being looked at as the morally inferior. We don't have a popular message anymore. It's irrelevant. But that doesn't negate truth. In church, we still have to be people of truth and speak the truth in love. Liberals today don't want us to convey truth. They just want us to be all about love. And they've erased the moral, the moral boundaries. And their definition of, of, of morality is, hey, if it's love... It's justified. Why are you trying to deny me someone that I love? It's kind of like Debbie Boone, the song that she sang well, many years ago. Um, you light up my life. She's saying, how can it be wrong if it feels so right? And we've defined right Morality by feelings. No. God decides what is right and is wrong. And as Christians, as followers of Christ, we need to be people of the truth. We need to know what the word of God says and we need to speak it in love. So we're not going to be liberal where we just um, erase truth and are all about love. And we're not going to be conservative either, where we're all about truth and don't express love. I vote for a new party, the Jesus party. Let's all be about truth and love. You have people in your life they don't live the way you want them to. But that's not a reason to ignore them. That's not a reason to not invite them over to your house 
or to stop having a relationship with them. We need to be people of love because as they continue to pers- to go down that rebellious path, we all know that there is a dead end someday. And there's going to be a time when they're broken. And if you love, if you have a relationship with them, guess what? You're going to be the first opportunity. You're going to be the first person in their life where you're going to be in God's redemptive ministry. And allowing Jesus to use you to pick up the broken pieces. How does the church grow? How is Jesus building his church? By God's people speaking the truth in love. And that doesn't mean, folks, that we're just all about healthy families in this church, you know, husbands and wives who are together. This church needs to be about people who are going through divorce, single parents, anybody who's going through any of these things, any any of these difficulties, including husbands and wives who struggle with uh, opposite sex attraction or uh, homosexuals who struggle with same sex, sex attractions or mother unwed mothers or families going through divorce. You know what? The gospel doesn't change. The gospel is there for every one of these situations. God's grace far exceeds anyone's sinfulness. And so as a a church, we need to be there for single moms. We need to be there for couples who are going through a painful divorce. Be there for the children Jesus wouldn't turn his back on any of these people. Think about the woman at the well. Jesus struck up a conversation with a woman that she was ostracized by everybody else in the community. She was at the well alone. But Jesus had a foreordained appointment with her. And he knew that this woman was thirsty and she was looking for thirst in all the wrong places. And Jesus had what would quench her thirst. Jesus knew her background. She had been married before, not just once or twice. She'd been married five different times. And the woman that she was currently living with wasn't her husband. Did Jesus turn his back? No. He spoke the truth in love. We need to be people of the truth. We need to be people of love. That's Jesus. And the church that has grown up in the stature and the measure of Christ will have those kinds of ministries for people who hurt, who are looking for God's grace.
And that brings us to the last value. Just there's just three of the seven, but loving like Jesus means we will value our community. Jesus says, when you do it to the least of these, you've done it unto me. And there's a lot of least of these in Ridgecrest. And God is giving us a ministry to touch their lives. Because as we touch them, we touch Jesus. That's the mission of our church. To know Christ. What do we need to know about Christ? The church is really important to Jesus. And what's important to Jesus needs to be important to us. And as we follow him, we will be involved in the church. Now that doesn't mean that the church takes up your life and you have to do everything in the church. No. Let me encourage you to do one thing and do it well. And if we had all had that mindset of the moms in our home, well, we all took ownership, it would all get done. Many hands make light work. This is Jesus' church. And he wants us to be involved in it. Let's pray. Thank you, Father, for Jesus. And you know, and I know, we all know here in this service that this is not a perfect church. And we get caught up in a lot of different preferences around here. and Like little Ellie we think in our minds, it's all about me. Jesus, it's not about any one of us. It's all about you. And I pray that our lives would reflect our love for you and your love for the church. Friend, are you loving like Jesus? Are you talking like Jesus? Is there someone in your life that you've turned your back on because they don't behave like you think they should behave? I want you to know, friend, Jesus still loves them. We're still in the year of Jubilee. Jesus is still looking to set people free. And Jesus wants to use you to love them. Who do you need to reconnect with? Who do you need to invite over? To love rather than just all be about truth. Or maybe you love and you're afraid to tell the truth because of what they might think.
Let God give you the words in love. And continue to love. It's God calling you to not be a spectator of this church, but be an active participant. May we all be like the moms of our homes who give of themselves to make the house a home. Jesus, I thank you for our moms, our wives, who go far and above the minimum to make our lives comfortable, to make our lives efficient, loving. Father, help us to have that mindset as your children about our church. May we be Jesus, not only amongst ourselves, but may we have that outward focus in our community to be Jesus who you want us to be. Thank you. In Jesus' name.